This UCSD TV program is presented by University of California Television. Like what you learn? Visit our website or follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest programs. We are the paradoxical ape. Bipedal, naked, large-brained, long the master of fire, tools, and language, but still trying to understand ourselves, aware that death is inevitable, yet filled with optimism. We grow up slowly. We hand down knowledge. We empathize and deceive. We shape the future from our shared understanding of the past. Carta brings together experts from diverse disciplines to exchange insights on who we are and how we got here. An exploration made possible by the generosity of humans like you. So I would like to start with acknowledgement. So the, the work I'm going to present is actually the work of many, many people who are involved in, in sequencing these two genomes I'm going to talk about and helped analyzing them. I will give some more credit during the talk. So let me start by um, just introducing the samples that were used to generate these sequences. So um, both of these samples were found in the Denisova cave in the Altai Mountains in Russia. And um, one was actually a small finger bone that you see here on top. Uh, yeah. And another one was a small toe bone that you see on the bottom. And the reason that we are actually having two genomes from the same place has to do with the fact that the Denisova cave actually um, preserves the DNA in these bones particularly well. It's one of those exceptional places where most of the DNA that we get out of these very old bones really comes from the individual that died and are not from bacterial or microbial contamination. And um, so what this allows us also to do is to not just sequence these, these uh, genomes to a low coverage, meaning just a couple of sequences from the nuclear genome, but we can actually sequence them many times over. And how this looks like then is, is that you have um, small sequences stacking up like this that are distributed randomly over the entire genome. And um, you, you always have uh, several of those for each position. And so taken together, you have 30-fold uh, coverage, meaning at any position in it, or on an average position in the genome, you will have 30 different fragments for the finger bone. And for the toe bone, you have 50 fragments. And um, so using these genomes then to actually understand how they are related, you see that one of those uh, two genomes that we produced from this cave 
folds together with other Neanderthals that we have sequenced before to lower coverage. And we call this the Altai Neanderthal. And the second individual, the nuclear genome, is from a sister group of, uh, of Neanderthals that we call the Denisovan because they fall outside of the variation that you observe of Neanderthals. So they are more closely related to Neanderthals, but they are not, um, not looking close enough related to deserve to be just called a Neanderthal, and we rather call them a Denisovan. And um, so one of the questions that you might ask yourself is, why are we actually bothering with sequencing these genomes so deeply? Why do we sequence them 30 or even 50 times over? And the reason for this is the fact that we are a diploid organism. So we are actually um, having each chromosome twice. One complete set are inherited from the, is inherited from the mother, and another complete set of chromosomes is inherited from the father. And so one of the things that you can do when you have so many fragments and so many sequences is you can call uh, confidently the differences between these two copies that you have from the mother and the father. And this is really the reason why we are sequencing it so deeply, so that we can call the differences between these chromosomes. And uh, one of the most easy um, analysis that you can actually do once you have sequenced so deeply and call these differences between the chromosomes is to just ask how different are they on average. And uh, so this is called heterozygosity. And uh, you can actually put this into perspective by also showing, um, as in this plot, the level of heterozygosity, so the level of differences between the chromosomes uh, in modern humans, in present-day modern humans. And we have some individuals from Africa here and some individuals from outside of Africa. And what you can see is that Africans have about one in a thousand differences between the chromosomes that they inherited from the mother and the father, while non-Africans have between six and eight and 10,000. And the archaics are much reduced compared to both of these present-day uh, human populations or present-day human regions, and um, they are at a level of 2 to 3 in 10,000. And there's even a quite significant difference between the two archaics in that the Denisova is higher than the Neanderthal, so the Neanderthal is further reduced. And um, so one can actually look into this in more detail by looking over the chromosomes, so just going in a small window over the chromosomes and just counting the differences that you observe and uh, we have done this here for a French individual, the Denisova and the Altai Neanderthal. And what you can see is that um, the um, level of heterozygosity, so the differences between the chromosomes, varies over the genome. Um, but there is one thing that is very special, and that is that the Altai Neanderthal has this, has this very long stretch here, for instance, on chromosome 21. There are other stretches like this on the other chromosomes, where there is hardly any difference between the two parental copies. And so now what one can do is one can actually take the size of these stretches and how much of the genome is actually residing in those stretches to calculate back how closely related the parents would have to be to generate stretches like this. And uh, this is an analysis that Flora Fay from, uh, in, in Monty Sletkin's lab in Berkeley was carrying out for, for the analysis of the Altai Neanderthal genome. And what she found is that there are several different relationships between the parents uh, possible that would actually generate exactly the patterns that we see. And so I guess uh, one easy way to say this is that the parents of this individual would have to be at least related on the level of whole siblings to generate these, these patterns. So they were closely related. And then you can take a step further and you just 
take your prediction of how much you would actually expect in terms of long stretches that are looking like this, almost identical, and you just ask if I would subtract now based on what I, what I understood the family relationship of the parents would be, if I subtract this away, is there actually anything left? And this is in, in fact the case. So for the Altai Neanderthal, you still see an excess over the, the stretches that you see in the Denisova and in modern humans. And this actually means that this is not just a singular event that just once happened, that just by chance the parents were closely related, but also further back in the past, there were probably closely related ancestors. And um, so another topic that I would like to talk about is archaic admixture. And so we already heard about archaic admixture from um, Neanderthal and Denisovans into modern humans. What I would like to talk about is really archaic admixture between both archaics. But be before I get to this, I would actually like to go a little bit deeper into how we actually know what signal we, we have to look for to understand that there is really admixture. And so, um, as a, as a very simple way of depicting this, um, just imagine that you have a, a certain individual, and of course, as I already explained, every chromosome has two copies, so this individual has these two copies of, of a certain chromosome, an arbitrary one. So when you, of course, you can go back to his, to his parents, and one of those copies will come from the father, and the other one will come from the mother. So I can paint them now blue and red. Um, but I can also go a step further and actually paint them according to whether they come from the grandparents or from which grandparent they come. And what you see in this picture now is that there is actually a process called recombination that is actually mixing up these different chromosomes in the parents of the individual. So now you have kind of these random stretches from, from all the grandparents that are uh, painting these chromosomes. And you, of course you can take another step, another step, another step. And so essentially what this means is that you're breaking up the ancestry. When, when you go through the ancestors, you kind of jump between different ancestries when you go over the chromosome. So you change which ancestor's genome you look at. And so when you repeat this process for a very long time, and let's say you, you have um, ancestry from one population for most of the genome, but you have a couple of ancestors from a different human group hiding among, your ancestors, then what the most common outcome will be is that you will have these short stretches where one of the chromosomes actually shows this, uh, this ancestry of this, uh, this other human group, while the other chromosome is actually looking like the chromosome of the majority of the groups, because these stretches will be randomly placed on your, on your two chromosomes. And now we can actually use the Alta Neanderthal and the Denisova to find out whether there is any Neanderthal ancestry in, in the Denisova, or whether there's any Denisovan ancestry in the Neanderthal individual that we sequenced. And so in one direction, just showing, so if Neanderthals would contribute to the Denisovan, what we would expect is that there are some stretches where the Denisovan looks very much like a Neanderthal, but on the other chromosome, we would expect that it actually looks, looks uh, like a normal Denisovan. That, that means that the two chromosomes are actually very different. And so the prediction that this makes is that if you go to to regions where, shown here on the left-hand side, so the X scale is giving you how closely related you can make this, make, can make any particular window that you look through, how closely related you can actually make that to the other, um, other archaic. So when you have windows where the Altai Neanderthal is very closely related to the Denisovan, shown here in blue, you actually see no effect. But if you look in the same for the Denisovans, when the Denisova has, uh, has 
can be made very closely related, or looks actually very closely related to the Alta Neanderthal, you see that the two chromosomes are very different. And this is shown here in red at this position. And uh, so this is a hallmark sign that there is actually among the ancestors of the Denisovan some Neanderthal ancestry. Uh, the last um, signal I want to talk about is actually the one of unknown archaic material that we found in the Denisovan. And so the first signal that we saw for that is really just when you look for divergence to Africa, so that's nothing else than just looking for how many differences we observe. We actually see when we take larger windows and we just compare to, uh, to an African, that the Denisova is always a little bit more different than the Alta Neanderthal. So these two distributions that you see here, they are the, the one for the Denisova in blue is, sh is slightly shifted to the right. And you can look even deeper into this by actually looking at different allele frequencies and divide up um, your comparison in, by how many Africans actually carry a certain derived variant, meaning a new variant that, that occurred some time after the split from chimpanzee. And when all Africans are the same, you actually see that the signal is the strongest. So you see the most differences. And in an analysis that um, um, uh, also Monty Slatkin's lab uh, carried out in Berkeley with Fernando Racimo, um, what they did was essentially taking the signals that, we, that I just described, and they tried three different models to actually compare how, these, um, how this could come about. And so the first model assumes that there was gene flow from Neanderthals into the common ancestor of all modern humans. The second model is assuming that all modern humans actually gave some material to, to the Neanderthals. And so these first two models are essentially um, trying to explain how you could make the Neanderthals and the modern humans more closely related. And the last model is, is, uh, is one where you have some lineage that we haven't observed, so we don't know what it is that contributed to the Denisovans, and that would make the Denisovan more distantly related to, the, to modern humans. And so in most comparisons, the Model 3 was actually the best explanation that we could find for the data. And so we believe that there is this super archaic admixture of some very deeply divergent lineage into the Denisovan. Um, so what I would like to say in the end is, or what I would like to show in the end is really just a general overview of the different gene flows that we have now observed. And this picture is not quite complete yet. So what you can see is that we have um, the uh, ancestry, this, this deeply, diverg uh, deeply divergent ancestor that uh, contributed to Denisovans. We have the Neanderthal admixture into the modern humans. We have uh, contributions from Denisova to modern humans and the Neanderthal admixture into the Denisovans that I just talked about. And there are it, it seems that there is, by now there are also other publications that say that there are contributions to Africans and so on and so on. And so I think what this all means when you sum it up is that these, these different types of admixtures are actually something that is quite common. So it actually happens quite a lot in the past and that is something that is really a transition in our thinking because originally I think we were all very skeptical that there was actually any admixture between these archaic groups. And um, with this, I would like to end and say thank you for your attention.